welcoming committee met this year, we, we thought we would bring you a very special treat to Reverend Jerry Phillips, who is my favorite pastor. I don't think I've ever told him that before. Jerry was my pastor when I was a teenager. Jerry was the one who was preaching when I was called into ministry and so many years ago. And I didn't want to do it, obviously, because I didn't start until nine years ago. Y'all can do math as easy as I can. Um, but I didn't have enough sense to go talk to Jerry about it. He probably would have talked me into it, and that's probably why I didn't do it. But Jerry's by far um, one of my greatest mentors in, in pastoring. I think about how he handled himself as a pastor all the time. When I went before the District Board of Ordained Ministry for the very first time and I got into that room, I was very intimidated and a little nervous. And the chairperson of that group said, we're going to go ahead and get started. And the, the first person to ask a question was a, a lay person from one of the churches in Orangeburg. And she looked at me and she said, how did you know you were called? And I was trying to figure out how to tell another person besides my wife that, that God had spoken to me during a worship service and not get taken to the hospital to be checked out. And the empty seat was still there. And right as I was trying to figure out how to answer that question, Jerry walked in and sat down. And I knew it was going to be okay. And I told that lady it was while he was preaching. And Jerry said, I must have done something right after all. <laughs> it's a joy for me to present to you Reverend Jerry Phillips. Thank you, David. You know, I was wondering why David invited me to come preach homecoming service today. Then it came to me, because I'm close by and cheap. <laughs> but it is good to be with you. When I think about attending something, I think about an old story that a retired minister told me once. He said, back in the days when he used to make re annual reports from the conference floor, said one preacher got up from a small town and he looked at the bishop and said, well, bishop and brethren, said, I'm happy to report that last week we had 12 at prayer meeting. And the bishop looked at him and he said, well, brother, said, that's not many. He said, if I'd have been there, there'd have been more. He said, yeah, bishop, there'd have been 12, 13 at the meeting. You know, we, we don't emphasize enough about homecoming, I don't think. Some churches never have a homecoming. And others have one every year. Some have them every five years. But some churches never have a homecoming, never have a time for somebody to come back and see how the church has changed. If I went back to my home church today, there's probably not more than a handful of people that I would remember in the church because most of them are dead and gone and there are a lot of newcomers in Fort Mill. But you know, it would be good to go back and just to see the changes that have been made there. Our scripture lesson for the morning, I'm, a, I'm what you call a, a liturgical preacher. I go by the calendar, the church calendar. And the Old Testament lesson for the day is from the book of Genesis, the 45th chapter reading the first down through the 20th verses. And it's a part of the story of Joseph. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. 
And the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there is five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. And I will provide for you there, since there will be five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. And when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. Pharaoh and his servants were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your animals and go back to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your household and come to me, so that I may give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you may enjoy the fat of the land. You are further in charge to say, Do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and your, for your wives, and bring your father and come. You have no thought to your possessions, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. May he add his blessings to it. A young woman and her grandmother were sitting on the front porch rocking. And they were talking about one of their family members, the black sheep of the family. And the young woman said to her grandmother, she said, you know, he's lazy and he's crooked. And he's no good. And the grandmother looked at the girl and said, Yes, that's true, but Jesus loves him. And the girl looked at her and said, I don't see how he can the way he is. And the grandmother said, Yes, Jesus loves him. That's because he doesn't know him as well as we do. (laughs) You know, that could be said about Joseph and his brothers. Joseph's brothers, if you recall the story, Joseph was the youngest of the 11 children born to Jacob. He was born, his mother was named Rachel, the love of Jacob's life, the woman he worked 14 years for so he could marry her. And she finally had a son, and they named him Joseph. And he was, needless to say, the favorite of Jacob. And Jacob even gave him a coat of many colors that he could wear. And Joseph was spoiled. 
And Joseph would go and check on his brothers and come back and tell his daddy what his brothers were up to. You ever have a tattletale in your family? You know, my sister used to be the worst. She'd go tell on me about something. And I remember one time I hit her and I meant to, I hit her. And, and she, she went running in the house and told my mother and my mother came and fussed on me and said, say you're sorry. I said, I'm sorry, and turned around and walked out. And as soon as she came out of the house, I hit her again. <laughs> you know, you know how it is with brothers and sisters. That's the way it was with Joseph and his brothers. His brothers were off tending the sheep, and, and Joseph went down in his coat of many colors to, to check on them. And they thought he had come to spy on them. And they knew how Jacob loved Joseph. And so they conspired together to do something about this obnoxious younger brother. And so they seized Joseph and threw him in a deep pit. And they were going to kill him. And his oldest brother talked them out of it. And along came a band of Ishmaelites on their way down to Egypt. And they were slave traders. So they took Joseph out of the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites, as a slave, took his coat of many colors, put some animal's blood on it, and took it back to their father Jacob and said that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. Joseph was taken down into Egypt and was sold into slavery in Egypt, and he, he worked as a slave for many years. But Joseph was an interpreter of dreams. And Pharaoh had a dream one night. Joseph was in jail, been acute, falsely accused by Pharaoh's wife, and he was in jail. And Pharaoh had a dream that bothered him, and no one could interpret it for him. So he called on Joseph, and Joseph gave him the interpretation of it, and it was about the famine that was coming. There were going to be five years of, length of fat, and then it was going to be seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh was impressed and made Joseph over all the land of Egypt in charge of the grain, taking care of the food supply. And so here's Joseph, youngest, youngest son. Another boy was born by the name of Benjamin. And Joseph was sold into, into slavery. Here he was over all of Egypt, over all the food supply. And the famine came. And in the land of Cana, they were running out of food. And so Jacob said to his sons, go down into Egypt and buy us food. And they went into Egypt, down to Egypt to buy food. And, and when they got there, they had to go before Joseph. They didn't know it was Joseph. They thought he was an Egyptian because he spoke through an interpreter to them. He recognized them as his brothers. But he talked to them and sold them grain and sent them on their way. They came back for more grain, and, and he told them when he came back that they better bring his younger brother, Benjamin. He said, I know there's a younger brother at home. You better bring him. And so they brought Benjamin back with them, and they were getting ready to go home again. They'd bought the grain, were getting ready to go home again. And Joseph decided to play a trick on them. He took his favorite wine cup and had it put in Benjamin's pack. And as they were getting ready to leave, he announced that his wine cup was missing. And they searched and they found it in Benjamin's pack. And, and Joseph was going to keep Benjamin and 
throw him in jail. And all his brothers pleaded with him not to. Each one said they would stay in Benjamin's place because it would kill their father. And then we pick up the story here today in scripture we just read. Now that Jacob, Joseph finally told his brothers who he was. That he was the long, their son, the brother they had sold into slavery in the land of Egypt. That he was their brother. And then he said something that is truly tremendous. He said, you thought to do me harm. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve your life. Joseph saw that God had a hand in everything that had happened to him. So Joseph could forgive his brothers. He could forgive because he believed in God and he trusted God. And he, like Paul in in the book of Romans, when Paul said, you know, all things work for good to them that believe. To Joseph, he said it first. He said, God had worked something good out of what you had done to me. And so he forgave his brothers. And that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? To really forgive somebody that's done us wrong. Somebody upsets us, says something bad about us, and we find it very, 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 very hard to forgive. And that's especially true in the church, isn't it? Some of the best fights happen in church. I was talking once with a, with a Baptist, a member of the Baptist church, when we lived in Star. The big, a big Baptist church out in the country between Star and Iva split. The preacher split the church. And part of them went down the road and built a new church. He went to another church and, and started another church and walked off and left them with about a quarter million dollars in debt. But I was talking to a man that I bought gas from and I knew he was Baptist. And, and he said to me, he said, well, what do you think about that? I said, well, that's just like Baptist. He said, what? I said, yeah. I said, you get mad. You pull out, you go down the road, you build another church. I said, you ought to be like Methodist. He said, how's that? I said, well, we get mad. We call each other names. We don't pull out and build a new church. We go to the same church. We just don't ever speak to each other again. (laughs) You know, when somebody really upsets us and hurts us, it really, really cuts us to the quick. And it is hard to forgive. But Joseph had enough faith in God to be able to forgive his brothers even after they had sold him into slavery and lied to his father and and, and tore up his father's life. Joseph was able to forgive. Even in times of uncertainty, God's hand can be felt in our lives, can it? Even in times when we doubt God, we know he's still there. Second, Joseph was smart enough to realize there comes a time when we've got to forgive. We've just got to turn loose of it and let it go. It's hard to forgive someone who's wronged us. Maybe at first, Joseph did dream of revenge on his brothers. But as his years passed, he realized that God had his hand on his life. In the end, his love for his brothers won out. Won out. He forgave his brothers, and his brothers forgave him for being a spoiled brat. Story of two teens, a brother and a sister were on vacation, and they were fighting, as teenagers do sometimes. As they were traveling along on their trip, 
They couldn't move without upsetting the other one. You know, he's touching me. Don't touch him. You know, don't speak. Don't breathe on me. Don't smile at me. Don't talk to me. You know how it is. I used to say that when we had all four children at home and we used to have an old station wagon, they rode in the back seats and we rode up front. I used to tell Hazel that we should have a, a soundproof barrier between us and them with an opening and every once in a while we could throw back a cookie and watch them fight for it. <laughs> you, know, you know, because you know how it is. They're traveling along, don't touch me. You ever have that happen to you? Uh, you're laughing, I'm sure you have. You know, but this brother and sister were arguing all the way. And they finally got to where they were going. And that night, they were sitting there and they were arguing about the chair and about the TV. And it just so happened that the sister broke her brother's brand new watch, broke the dial on it and the face. And he was so mad. You could just see the anger coming over him. And finally, finally after a minute or two, he looked at her and said, that's all right. I think I know where I can get it fixed tomorrow. The next morning, his mother asked him, said, well, why did, you, why did you do that? Why did you act that way? He said, well, when she first broke it, I was so angry at her that I couldn't hate her enough. And since I couldn't hate her enough, I had to love her and forgive her. We need to learn how to have enough faith to forgive. The brothers returned and told Israel, told Jacob about Joseph, and they all moved down to Egypt. And that's another story for another time. But it was a happy ending to the story when he reunited with his brothers. Third, Joseph proved his superiority to his brothers by his willingness to forgive. He was willing to forgive them. He was special because he trusted God. He put the past behind him and he was willing to forgive. Mahatma Gandhi said that the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. You remember that old movie that came out back in the 70s, Love Story? We went to see that movie. You know, and throughout the movie they kept saying, Love means never having to say you're sorry. That's a crock. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a crock. It's the biggest lie ever told in the movies. Because love means being willing to say I'm sorry. Love means being willing to say I'm sorry. This clergyman in Boston, this woman wrote him poison pen letters and tried to stir up the congregation against him. This went on for years, and finally she moved to Arizona. And after she had moved to Arizona, she sat down and she wrote him a letter apologizing. She said, I realize now how terribly wrong I was. I just want you to accept my, please accept my apology. He sent her a telegram, and the telegram had three words on it. It said, forgotten, forgiven. Forever. That's faith. That's love. That's being like Joseph. Having enough faith in God to give others. And I wonder this morning, do we have enough faith to forgive?
Amen. And Amen.